0: This episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast is brought to you by TCO Strategies. A company is only as good as its employees and a healthy workplace culture is essential to attracting and retaining those employees. TCO Strategies can help you assess the impact of your company's people strategies on the employee experience. We combine industry best practices, a proven system, and a knowledge of our clients to build a customized cultural roadmap invest in your team and create a healthy workplace culture with TCO Strategies. Visit tcostrategies.com. That's tcostrategies.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we explore the people and company cultures that shape the manufacturing industry. I wanna do a little housekeeping before I introduce this week's guest. The manufacturing culture movement has absolutely exploded over the last couple of weeks. I'm absolutely thrilled that you all have enjoyed the conversations that we've had so far. First, I have a favor to ask of you who have listened to the podcast. Please, please, please rate and review the show on whatever platform you're you're listening to uh, it on. These podcast platforms have some funky algorithm that promotes a podcast with the most ratings and reviews. So give the show five stars and type into the comments whatever you like. Just say you're you're listening or you're following instructions or or whatever you need. It's not for me, it's not for my ego it's to promote the cultural movement in the manufacturing industry. Second, uh, I have heard all the requests to have a video tour accompany the podcast. I'm working on something that I hope to launch sometime in late uh, of the second quarter or early in uh, Q3. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Last, if you want to be an executive producer of the show, and have me read your name at the end of each episode, go to the producer tab on the Manufacturing Culture website. That is manufacturingculturepodcast.com. Okay, so now let's get into the reason why you all are here. Sit back, relax, and join us on this week's journey. Our guest today is Bill Padnos, the Executive Director of the National Tooling and Machining Association Foundation. Bill is responsible for programs such as the National Robotics League Program and the Association's education and training programs. He works to advocate for policies and funding that support workforce development and promotes manufacturing as a career option for youth. He has a background in nonprofit management and has received a bachelor of science degree in marketing from Indiana University and credentials as a certified meeting professional and graduate of the institution for organization management. He is a fellow of Aspen Institute's 2014 Sector Skills Academy. In this podcast, we will delve into Bill's unique perspective on culture in the manufacturing industry and how he's working to shape its future. Welcome, Bill Padnos. How are you, sir? I am great,
1: James. This is wonderful to be here. And I always enjoy our conversations.
0: I've known you, Bill, for a couple of years, uh, more than a couple, I guess. Uh, I guess we're going on six or seven at this point. And we've always had a lot of fun, Uh, some great conversations. So uh, I'm really excited for what we're going to talk about today. Same here. Awesome. Awesome. So, Bill, uh, usually uh, on the Manufacturing Culture podcast, uh, I'm speaking with leaders of manufacturing facilities, shops. uh, You know, we've got some plastic injection, some food manufacturing in the future. you're our first guest that isn't a, a leader of a, a specific organization, but you are a leader in, in manufacturing, specifically in the workforce development space. So why don't you tell us uh, about how culture has shaped your professional journey so far uh, and and some of the companies that you've worked for?
1: Well, thank you and one of the reasons why I wanted to get a chance for us to talk. I mean, it goes back to one of my first jobs when I worked um, as account executive over at the Center for Association Growth, which is actually an association management company based in Chicago. And when I first started, I did not really have experience at all in the associations that we were managing. Hmm. But the people that hired me, Um, Carl Wangman, him especially, saw something in me, just like he saw with something for everyone that was working there and wanted to get the best out of everybody. And the culture, what I learned from him is he really truly believed that education and training was important. And he went out of his way to making sure that I went and I got my certification for being a meeting professional And I made sure I got my Institute for Organizational Management through the U.S. chamber. He was making sure I was at the local association um, conferences, meetings, that I was was out there in front and meeting with people. He did not have any worry that I was going to get all this training and then leave. He saw as an investment. And because of that investment, he knew that I would be invested in them. I mean, and sure enough, I was there for six years. The only reason why I'm no longer working there was because we moved from Chicago to Pittsburgh. Um, I always say the only reason why I left there and I would still be there is because of that fact. Um, because I felt so much appreciation and I felt so much as I going back to it, is that investment. Uh, um, you yeah. invested in all of us and you made us all feel a part of the family, part of the ownership, a part of, you know, making decisions. There was, he, you know, he was the boss, but he made sure that we were all involved and we all appreciated. And I would recommend to anybody to go work for the Wangman family because (laughs) of that fact. And because of how much um, he just, it, you know, I'm trying to say what the best way of being able to say this was, but um, there was just, such an appreciation of who we were that we came every day to help him to work with him and he showed that back to us and it was a small company but we always had what we needed and he never micromanaged us the only time he ever would do that is he would do a little bit behind the scenes he would push us a little bit but he or he would make sure that we would be out there in the community he was not afraid of having us out there in the community because he knew that would reflect well on his organization.
0: Uh, it sounds like not only did he have uh, a, a culture that encouraged education, but he also had a culture that you weren't afraid to take risks and, and potentially fail um, even, right? Is that, is that
1: That's completely... That's completely the way to put it. I mean, when I started there in 2000, I was coming off of being a membership director at a community center.
0: And all of a sudden,
1: he puts me in to run a million dollar um, event at a um, top level resort for people that are involved in mergers and acquisitions. And he just said, you're going to do it. And he, during our first meeting, I remember when we did a site visit, um, he would not, he would not ask a question, you know, and make it, he wanted me to be the person that was leading all the meetings, even though this is the first time I've ever done a job, description, uh, this is the first time I've ever done a site inspection. He, sure, sure. But he wanted me to be leading it. He gave me some pointers. He gave me some things of what to ask for, which is what I did. But what if I didn't ask a question, he said, he would actually say, I think Bill meant to say this. So, or I think that, you know, Bill was going to say this. So he never contradicted me. He never, he helped me along so I learned. And so that first year when I'm running this conference, it was a learning experience for me, but I still had ownership of what was going on. And it was, you know, to me, He showed that faith in me, and I try that with anybody that works for me. I want to be able to give them the resources and tools to succeed, but I don't want to necessarily tell them step-by-step everything they need to do, because they need to figure
0: that out for themselves as well.
1: And I think that's an
0: important component of culture. Absolutely. Uh, So with that being such a solid foundation, Bill, um, and your role with the... NTMA and the foundation, NRL, uh, et cetera, uh, since you joined uh, that specific association, you, you've seen a lot of um, machine shops, a lot of the member companies of the NTMA out there. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the, the cultures that you see uh, out in your travels and uh, what you've experienced with, with the members and, and with the manufacturing industry as a whole. Uh, out in, in your experience?
1: Well, first it started actually the first time I ever really was in at a manufacturing facility. Um, I remember I it was February of 2013. I was interviewing for the position to be the executive director of the Southwestern Pennsylvania BOTS IQ program, which is the robotics program that's associated with NTMA's National Robotics League. And uh-huh. so I was just in charge of the going to be in charge of the Pittsburgh program, and my first tour of the facility was with Greg Chambers. I didn't know at the time that Greg Chambers is the chairman of NIMS. Um, I just thought he's this really great guy who's on this committee. He's going to show me around, and we're going to talk so I can learn a little bit more about manufacturing. Yeah, it yeah. turned into an hour and a half tour. Of Oberg Industries. Now, Oberg is a big facility, but it's not an hour and a half tour facilities unless someone's <laughs> really showing you around and showing you what's happening, what's going on. I mean, it's everything from showing the safety component of saying here is the pathway we need to follow um, and how it's done, how every machine is this special Oberg green that was created for them by PPG. Um, he talking to everybody, you know, along the way, saying hi to them, um, introducing, saying what they're doing. And then toward the end of our tour, we had been talking. I explained my wife was, during our conversation, my wife was a pharmacist at Children's Hospital. And he goes, oh, by the way, we're doing something on this machine that I think your wife is going to feel you know, it's going to be really important. It was like creating a this painless needle that they were working on and trying to manufacture. So all of a sudden, he then related something to me. Wow. wow. He can, you know that, you know, this is what your wife does. Oh, by the way, this is what we're doing here at Oberg that's going to help out your wife, and it's going to help out everybody um, if we can create this needle that's painless and it's fine. I'm sorry if I just said some trade secrets. I do apologize. <laughs> but that was in 2013, so that's long ago. So I remember I left that tour. I called my wife on the phone. I said, I want this job. I don't care what it is, anything going on. You know, this is amazing, how cool this is, how great Greg was. And to this day, I always tell him that um just how engaging how if this is what i can do to get students to be interested in these types of careers and work at places like this why would i want to be a part why wouldn't i want to be a part of this and it just started my passion for what i was doing and luckily during the years i've had a chance to go visit a lot of manufacturing facilities and seen different things about how they are you know why people would want to come work for them
0: all right so bill one of the things that i've noticed as i have been in shops and and you alluded to this with oberg is when there's guests in a facility um i can always tell a general idea of how the culture is by simply looking at the machine operator's uh, when i walk in onto to the shop floor are they focused on their shoes or on the piece of material in front of them or do they turn around and engage with the guests right if they're they're focused on their shoes they're really uh you know they typically, that leads to uh, a shop that doesn't have the healthiest of cultures. But if they're engaging guests as they come in, uh, that's something that that typically leads me to believe that there's a, a healthy shop culture. Um, it, how, many, how many shops have you seen uh, that kind of healthy culture in? I, I mean, tell us some more stories about this.
1: I would say I've seen a lot of them, um, which is great, <laughs> because part of my job was um, was getting students to get tours into manufacturing facilities. And there is one facility, I will say, that's not that far from where I live here in Pittsburgh, where I went down and I met with the people and I was walking around. And some of the machines still had like pinup calendars mm-hmm. in their workspaces. And I said to myself, I'm never going to tell a, a school. <laughs> like my local Fox Chapel school, hey, come down and visit here. They're not, they're about 10 minutes away. I'm not going to do that because look at, you know, it's, you know, what are they going to see? The The females that are going to be interested in potentially being a part of this industry are going to see a pinup of Pam Anderson. We don't want to see that. No. Um. But what we want to see is, I remember going to this facility in York and everyone who had with their, their tool um their tool chest and stuff they all when you open it up there was all pictures of their family and they were young and there is pictures of their family that's what you know you want people to see and you want that encouragement because there's that personal component but also it's not just even the engagement i think of the machinists when they're coming to talk because they're not sure whether or not you know they should be talking to the guests but it's when i see the owner or whoever is taking me around personally engaging with all the people that we're looking at. They're not just showing me the machine and what that person's doing, but they're almost introduced me to the person they're talking to, where they say something personally about them, you know, so say, Hey, how's everything going? What's happening? You know, knowing something about their lives. I always say that Roger Sustar over at Freedom Corporation um, up in Northeast Ohio, I've always impressed with him whenever I'm up there in this facility he knows everybody that's around there. He knows all of them. He can talk to them. He can, you know, it shows that there's such a family component, you know, it is a family business, but all these people have joined part of the family and how proud he is of those people that work for him and what they do. Um, That part is that that's what I would want to say is, Hey, anyone want to do a tour, go to Freedot If you're interested in, in, Selling kids on why they should be interested in careers in manufacturing. Have them go yeah. to
0: a facility like that. It always boggles my mind when I'm going on shop tours uh, with owners or or even you know high up leadership uh, within an organization, and they don't know the people's names that they're introducing me to or that they're walking by. Um, you know, I had a shop that I did a tour with a client of TCO strategies and the owner of the company only knew about 70% of the employees that worked for him. And he wondered why he had a turnover rate of 52%. Um, And he actually blamed the high turnover rate on the fact that it was so transitory, right? There wasn't any staying power. He was getting new people in every week uh, into his facility. He had to do a whole training uh, class. To me, that was a huge opportunity to, to, A, affect some change, right? Because... You gotta know who your 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 employees are, but you also have to uh, then foster a, a healthier culture, right? And I know Roger does that. I know uh, Oberg does that. Um, that. Yeah, that's just something that, that we need to see more of in, in this industry.
1: But you also have to see where, you know, most of the people that are NTV members are making parts of parts that go into parts. So you right. really don't know what is that end result what are you what are you making you have this diagram of something you're making that's small so You may be making 10 15 100 of them um, you don't really know sometimes where it's going to but if you actually do know that mm-hmm. i mean we always talk about trying to say to students that you know if you want to work in aerospace medical you want to save lives you want to you know help out the environment you know working actually at one of our member companies can make that happen where I remember a tour at Cygnus Manufacturing and um, they, sh- they were showing me this part. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting part. I don't know where it goes to. And they said, by the way, this went this part went, goes into defibrillators for children. Hmm. And then they said is they actually had an individual whose life was saved by one of those defibrillators come and talk to their employees. And so that individual was able to say, "You saved my life by what you're doing, by what you're making." I don't know about you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make those parts, and I'm gonna make sure those parts are 100% perfect. If that's an opportunity, I'm gonna be saving lives. Right. Um, another story I remember of a manufacturer um, who was telling me that she was at a, she was being delayed at the airport. And she started talking to someone next to her that was in army fatigues um, and they started talking. And somehow during the conversation, he mentioned about that the Jeep or something he was in um, was hit and, but their lives were saved because, you know, the way the Jeep was constructed, it saved their lives because of it was able to stand and, and it was, I think, oh, it was put over on its side. Um, there was a part or something that was put in that that was able to save their lives. What happened is that company was a part of, you know, the manufacturer of that component that saved <laughs> that person's life. And that's so awesome. they, you know, they just started hugging and crying. But um, and that's what our things, what our that's what the things that our companies are doing and manufacturers are doing. Um, They are making parts that are just not these little things, but they're going into stuff that's going to help save lives, that's going to make people better. And if you let your staff and employees know that that's what they're doing and that's what they're doing for the greater good, you know, how tremendous that will be. It's the same thing also. A lot of, you know, people talk about millennials and Gen Z. Well, guess what? They, yeah, they are more environmentally conscious. Right. You know how much... Recycling is done in a manufacturing facility. <laughs> I mean, everything is recycled. I mean, the coolant is recycled. Every bit, there's no waste at a manufacturing facility, at right. especially at NTMA member shops. So, you know, letting people know about that and actually promoting that component is a way so that your your culture of being environmentally friendly when people don't think about that as manufacturing. That's another way to promote what you're doing and how you're going to be, you know, helping the environment and that it's not just, you know, small stacks, what people think about manufacturing.
0: Right. And you made a a key pivot here for us. So I appreciate that, Bill. Um, You know, part of what you've done with the NTMA is is work with young people in in addition to working with the the member companies of the NTMA. What are the young people uh, outside of that connection to the greater good, right? And and, uh, shops being able to connect individual job descriptions to uh, that greater good or that sense of uh, doing something to benefit society. What else are the young people uh, that you talk to that you work with that you interact with? What are they looking for out of the companies they go work for as far as culture is concerned? I think they want one and they want to be engaged. They want to know that they're just
1: not a number, that they're there, they're appreciative that they're, they're they're doing something again, you know, letting them know, what, why they're doing this, because what it's going to lead to that. And I think that is an extremely important component, you know, whether it's culture, whether about workforce development, it's people want to know what their pathway, the young, youngsters, especially, they want to know what their pathway is. Why are they doing this? Because what it's going to help them. It it goes back to like my son um, building a bridge in um, middle school and you know they're built they're trying to build this bridge and then they test it out to see if you know how long you know how it can withstand this ball going through it if it's going to break or not break Mm -hmm. and but that's all that they do the teacher never explained to them this is why you're learning how to build this bridge that you're testing it out you're trying you're this is all about critical thinking it's about you know testing out a design seeing if it will be working then checking to see why it didn't work. And I think that's something that's important as well is, you know, sometimes you, it's okay to let failure happen, but then work with them to show them how they will succeed the next time. Um, they want to see innovation, mm-hmm. you know, they want to see that they they want to know that their suggestions are, you know, they might put a suggestion up on the board, but they want to see, is it being acted upon or are they? Or if it's not going to be acted upon, then why is that the case? Not just be ignored. It's the same yeah. thing. Like all of us want is we we put a complaint to Delta or someone because of a bad flight experience. You know, we want them to respond to us to tell us we're sorry that happened. You know, and we'll do better next time. Yeah, and you know that's what people they want to get that feedback. And I know that's hard. I mean, I'm part of. You know, Gen X and Gen X, we were that first part of group that really love feedback. We want to know what's happening. Well, it's just amplified now. Yeah. with millennials and Gen Z, you know, your culture needs to give them feedback. You need to say to them, you know, good job, or
0: let's work with this and help you to improve. Great point. Great point. Uh, Bill, What about what about some of those high school students that go into facilities as a intern or go in, uh, as an apprenticeship, uh, or junior apprenticeship, or, uh, just, uh, to, to get experience within a shop. What, because that's even a a younger generation than some of the kids that we have in, in the trade school programs now, what is that very next generation looking for The, the kids that are in middle school or high school right now? Uh, do you have a sense for that? Well, I think some of it
1: is, um, I always, I have this stat that came and it's still, I think, active today. 64% of high school students will pick their career pathways based on their interests and experiences. Mm. So I always used to say to manufacturers that if they, if a student doesn't experience manufacturing machining, they don't know, they don't experience, they don't, touch the machine. They don't see what's going on. They're not going to think that they can be a part of this industry. Yeah. But they need to touch and feel and know that they can potentially do it. Give them that confidence that they can potentially do this. I love Manufacturing Day. It gives an opportunity for students to see what manufacturing is about. You know, it changes the perception of manufacturing, but only for that moment in time. It doesn't do it the next day. The yeah. next day, the manufacturer needs to see the kids who are really excited about what they saw and work with the teacher and figure out how we can give them real-life experiences so in real-world experiences so then they can have the confidence that they can do it. And that's a big component. And this generation doesn't have, you know, we might see them on social media. It looks like they have all this confidence in the world. They're just playing a part. They're playing sure. a role. Yeah, They don't have necessarily the confidence that they can work a cnc machine you know i don't have the confidence i can work a cnc machine why no one has taught me how to do it i've tried right. i even worked at a training center i said teach me how to do it you know i want to learn so i'm in awe with what a machinist can do um and i don't think i can necessarily do it because no one has spent that time to say you can do it so all those companies out there, they're worried about insurance. Oh, my God. If a kid touches a machine, they're going to take a machete to it. I don't know what they're thinking that kids are going to do. Put gum all over it. They're going to draw <laughs> over it. I don't know. Let them touch the machine. Let yeah. them see what is potential. You know what? And years later, they're going to know how to do speeds and feeds in their head. And they're going yeah. to feel excited about that opportunity. You know, So I would say, you know, don't be afraid of, you know, Oh my God! These kids are running around. The, they're going to run around the shop. No, yeah. they're not. They're actually a little bit more better behaved than you think they are.
0: I, I get that, uh, Bill. One of the the things that, as I, I'm working with more schools here in Arizona and and uh, Elevate Ed, the statewide program, one of the things that, uh, and we've known this. You and I have talked about this before. Uh, pa- the parents of young people who are either interested in a career in manufacturing or show an aptitude for a career in manufacturing, but the parents are dissuading them. How can we use a cultural change in manufacturing to affect the the mindset of parents? And, and what are some key steps that we need to take as an industry to make that happen?
1: I think the, the, the best thing about with parents is is get the parents to get into the shops as well um i'm going to go back to oberg industry when they were selling their apprenticeship program that they created or pre-apprenticeship program that they created um they had the students come and the parents come so they had the students go that they were interested in a program and they met with someone who is a 20 something who has been involved in their apprenticeship program to take them around and walk around Mm -hmm. then you know, for the parents, they had the person in the blue shirt and the khakis talk to them. Got it. Being able to say, hey, you know what? I just came back from my skiing vacation in Aspen and I have, you know, two cars, you know, two kids, my wife, and I have my house and everything here. And you're, by the way, your son or daughter is never going to have to pay for any education. Your son or daughter is going to learn. They're going to do this. And and within 10, 15 years, gonna be a manager and they're gonna be on their way to being very successful in what they're doing. And I'm gonna make sure that happens. That's what needs to be done is that they just need to get inside to the shop as well, the parents, to see what it actually is and what's going on. So having community open houses or inviting parents to come in the evening, you know, to take a tour, to see what the potential is, I think is something is as important as anything else Because, you know, again, 64% of high school students will pick their jobs based on their, based on what they have for their skills and experiences and parents are not going to recommend, you know, their child to go work in manufacturing if they
0: don't know what's behind your doors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Bill, um, let's let's do some shameless plugging of of some great organizations out there. Uh, give me three, four uh, organizations, school districts, uh, community colleges that are doing the these things right as far as engaging the parents, engaging the students showing healthy culture organizations in the manufacturing sector. Let's let's do some shameless plugging here.
1: Well, I mean, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna shamelessly plug um, the Southwestern Pennsylvania Bots IQ program. Um, they've been able to get an influx of um, support from the s- state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You can tell I'm not originally from here, so I didn't say <laughs> Commonwealth. Um, But that has and from the local workforce investments boards that there's been a manufacturing ecosystem that's been developed around them that has enabled for the doors to open more education and training programs. So the students are not just building these bots, but they're truly learning about careers in manufacturing. And they're really utilizing social media to show the students, you know, hey, we're just at this facility or we have this internship program. They're, you know, the students, this is what they're learning. And then of course, when it's time for the competition, they can see what the parents can come down and root for their kids just the same way as they would at any sort of sporting event. They can truly see what they've learned, you know, and what they've applied during this project-based learning opportunity but they've you really utilize social media to get people to have a glimpse of what is happening, where the students are, and you're seeing these facilities and you're seeing that technology and what's out there and I think is what's important. You know, again, it's, you know, not being afraid. I know some companies can't do it because of Department of Defense contracts or whatever they might have, yeah. but you still have to utilize social media as well to be able to, you know, show, you know, that engaging component that's out there that, you know, how high tech a facility is, how clean a facility is. Um, and, you know, that we're going to take care, you know, if we're taking care of this facility, trust me, we're going to take care of, you know, the people that are working here. So sure. I would say what they have done has been tremendous. Um, trying to think of some others that are out there and, And there's also some school districts that are out there that have really, truly listened to the community Mm -hmm. and to the local industry. And they have changed their entire almost career, you know, their CTE structure, you know, to make sure that industry is involved. The Akron School System, for instance, um, have created these um, community learning centers that, um, and they're asking industry, help us to create these You know what are the positions what are you looking for help us to know um, what positions we need to fill and what skills that students need to learn and they've completely you know changed things around to give people in akron you know especially individuals who are economically disadvantaged to be able to show them where the opportunities are in trades and they have but it's been and i'm going to go back again it's been that ecosystem it's it's not just the school, it's the school showing that they're interested in listening, it's the local workforce investment board, it's the local trade associations, it's the local colleges all getting together to be able to say is we got to help students learn and understand what these pathways are. But we also have to convince the manufacturers that they need to open their door but they need to also be talking to teachers and yeah. saying to them, this is the skills and this is what I need. And that's, for me, going back to culture goes back to the fact is that if you don't allow your employees to go into the community, mm-hmm. to volunteer at STEM competitions, to help a school with that competition, to go into the school to talk about the, to talk about, you know, the opportunities to come work with them, what it means to be a precision machinist, you know, to go to the school to say this and then say, hey, come and I'll show you what we do, actually yeah. do that, And it should not just be, you know, the owner of the company. Let, you know, those 20, 30 year olds that are out there that are working for you, that are your stars, let your stars go and recruit your future stars. You know, Mm -hmm. let them be out there. Let them feel, you know, if they're willing to talk about how wonderful it is to come work for you. Yeah. You know, then people are going to want to come work. They're going to want to recruit others. I mean, I just wrote an article for our January record um, that, you know, 88% of employees rate, you know, referral programs as the best source of applicants. Interesting. And that 70% of business agree that referrals will fit better in the culture that they have. Yeah. Because people are going to want to recruit individuals that they want to work with. You know, they're not going to recruit someone off the street that they don't know and they have no idea who they are or if they know them and they don't like them they're not going to say hey come work with us
0: yeah you
1: no know, i think so- that's a
0: powerful point bill um it, referrals uh that's that's big
1: yeah and and that's where you know i was and again from this you know from the stats and stuff i have referrals are four times more likely to stay um than someone who's just you know applying off the web yeah you know that and you invest and we talked about before you said you know how how much they invest in a new employee and doing the training and if you're constantly having to put in and do new new people because of turnover not because of you know someone leaving you know there's reasons why people leave but someone's going to stay if they've been invested which is why with apprenticeship programs that 95% of individuals who go through an apprenticeship program are gonna be staying over five years at their company. Wow. And those people that were apprentices, remember, were mentored by individuals, and then hopefully they're gonna to wanna to mentor other people. And it well, goes back to, and it, I, I'm just gonna quickly, it goes back to the whole fact of, you know, Carl Wangman of blessed memory, how much that he mentored me means that how much i want to mentor others because i want to give back because of what he did to help me
0: yeah and bill you just you said something that sparked a question um about investing and the stat of how many apprentices stay on to that five year and beyond mark one of the things that i hear a lot from the manufacturers that I go into, and and I ask about apprenticeship programs, their biggest fear is that that they're gonna train these apprentices and the apprentice, as soon as they get information and training and knowledge, they're gonna leave for more money. But it, it sounds like you're telling us that that's not actually the case. It's not. And then, I mean, as I always say is what happens
1: if you don't train them and they stay, right. um, you know, what is that worker that you have? No, I I mean, I know from companies that I've talked to, you know, when that one apprentice out of six leaves, um, it's a it's a painful thing that happens, you right. know, because you invest in that person and that's going to happen. But then look to yourself is why did that person leave? Right. Why did that person decide to go somewhere else? if it's for money yeah sometimes it could be that person's going to go for money but you know what's going to happen that person's going to go somewhere else you know for more money a year later if they're offered somewhere else right um but that individual who you showed that investment in you show them what their pathway is going to be you show them how you're going to help them because there's an articulation agreement with your apprenticeship program so they've already earned x amount of you know credits toward an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree you show them if they if you stay with me this is what's going to happen trust me they're going to stay they're going to want to be a part of that You know, because you show that investment and then they're going to show that investment in you. The question is, is that person who left, did you show them why they're doing what they're doing, what their future is going to be, how you're going to help them with their continuing education, even after this apprenticeship program or even during the apprenticeship program? How effective was the mentor? Was the mentor someone who on a daily basis was like, I love my job and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. Or was it someone who is a just you know? He was the person who always puts that suggestion in the box. It's not really that's more negative than necessarily more helpful. Um, you know, you have to look at all those factors.
0: I love it, and, and so you just touched on something we haven't even talked about yet, and that's mentorship programs, right? How do you suggest that uh, manufacturers, machine shops, uh, as they do, bring in apprentices? Uh, and even young people into the organization, uh, out of trade school or out of college, uh, university, whatever their uh, educational pathway uh, has been. How do you suggest they match uh, these younger uh, employees with the seasoned? Uh, how how do you, how 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 can you make that connection?
1: Well, I think one is you know a little bit about who your people are. Maybe you ask for volunteers um, and being able to say, is someone interested in being a part of this? Because remember, the best machinist you have might not necessarily be the best teacher. Sure. And best instructor. But that person, you know, you know, who was, again, who was a person who was potentially mentored in the past that's going to want to give back? Yeah. Who is that individual out there that, is gives positive suggestions on how things can be moved forward. Who is that individual when you're having a staff meeting? Give suggestions on how we can improve operations. Find that person who's invested in the company and the success of the company and make them the mentor because then they're going to also invest in that individual because they're going to see that individual not as someone who's potentially take my job, but as someone who's going to make the company better. So I always say is your best machinist is not going to necessarily be your best best, um, mentor, it's your best employee who shows up on time. And if they don't show up on time, because they call because there was an actual reason why. They don't just say the dog ate my homework, but they give a reason, (laughs) I'm sorry, and I'm willing to spend an extra 30 minutes to make up for that time. Um, Those are the people that I would look at to be mentors. Um, And that's, I think, a critical component. But then I also think that companies also need to be mentors to anyone in their community that's teaching um, machining, for instance. If you're a position machine shop, any teacher, you should be that mentor. That teacher should have you on speed dial and vice versa as well. Because Um, if that person knows that you're being helpful to them, they're going to recommend that their students go to work for you because you've been how helpful you've been to them. They're going to want to repay that. Um, And it goes back to that part goes back to, I remember Phyllis Miller who uh, was in charge of the bots IQ program here in Pittsburgh. Um, She was also the HR person at Hamill manufacturing and teachers from involved in the pro involved in the program would always call her up and say, hey, I have a student that I think would be great for Hamill manufacturing. You know, why you know, here's their information, why don't you reach out to them and talk to them or I'll connect you? These weren't just the schools that Hamill helped out directly, but because Phyllis was so dedicated to the program and they all knew her and they knew what she was, that if she's so dedicated to this STEM program, to helping them and grow this program, you know and this is where she works why would i want my students to go work at that place
0: yep yep absolutely that's that's huge well bill do you have any parting thoughts any parting comments uh for us before we wrap up today's episode
1: um first and foremost james again thank you so much for this opportunity um I always enjoy again. I go. I always enjoy when we have a conversation. Um, last one we really truly had was at IMTS. Right. Um, we had our own little happy hour there, but <laughs> and we talked a little bit about this and some other things. But um, it just goes back to the whole thing about culture. Yeah. Um, that if your employees are recommending to other individuals to come work um, to come work there, then you're doing something right if your employees feel that they are secure in their job, that they're willing to mentor someone that's young, yeah. then you know that they're doing something right. If they're investing in getting, building pipeline programs, then you, then they know that this company is looking to the future. And I think that those parts are what's important, which is why I always say to companies, why it's valuable to be a part and an industry advisor for our robotics lead program is because it. It shows, number one, as you're looking toward the future, it provides an opportunity for your employees to engage with these students, to be able to help them out, to maybe even show that they can teach and they can be a mentor to others. Um, And it also helps with inside the community that it shows that you have a commitment and you want to help out others and then that makes people want to be like, oh yeah, I want to work at this place or this. You know, <laughs> I look highly at this place. I'm yeah. gonna want you know, I'm gonna be an engineer, I want to give work. I want to give a job to this company because of the fact I know that how they treat their employees, that they're going to do that same thing with a project I need them to do. And I think that is just so important um, that it's not just oh, I'm gonna help these kids build this bot. No, you're <laughs> you're building your company you're building you're standing in the community and more importantly you're going to be retaining the people that are currently working for you as well
0: yeah absolutely that very well said bill uh and i do love our conversations and and thanks for being (laughs) on today uh, for all of you listeners, thank you very much for tuning in to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about how to build a positive culture in the manufacturing workplace, please leave them in the comments uh, of whatever platform you're listening to or send me an email at jim at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. If you have any ideas for future guests, please email me. Uh, Remember to tune in to our next episode where we will have another manufacturing leader share their cultural journey and three initiatives they've used to change their culture internally. Until then, thanks for listening.